Hello, my friends, and welcome back to Idle Chatter. I'm your host, Ray Bohax, the Hot Rod Farmer. And I want to thank you so much for for being with me today and for listening to my ramblings. And I also want to uh, give a shout-out to my good buddy Gene Worst out in Nevada. And he listened to the, uh, the, the show last week about uh, talking hot rod when I was talking about nitrous. And he is a, uh, a very good historian with a lot of things. He's very well read. And he said that it was Chuck Yeager and it was a P-51 Mustang that did um, shoot down the first Messerschmitt jet during a German jet fighter during World War II. So I want to thank you so much for, uh, for for telling me that. And I've obviously you all know, or many of you would know, that Chuck Yeager went on after the war to be a very famous test pilot. And uh, so it was all from that that war effort. And Gene had thought that the model that Chuck shot down the Messerschmitt with was a supercharged version and may very well have been. But I know that at one, I may have, you know, like I said, right church, wrong pew, and I'm not disputing what, you know, Gene's knowledge about this whatsoever, not at all. But I did, uh, many years ago, I did a story for Hot Rod magazine on nitrous oxide. And it was a quite in-detail story. And they went out to the Society of Automotive Engineers, which I'm a member of, I was going to say laboratory, library. It used to be in Mars, Pennsylvania, right outside of, um, I guess it's still there, right outside of Pittsburgh, just a little bit north of Pittsburgh. And I did a lot of research. And that's where I actually had um, gotten a lot of information about the war effort and nitrous oxide from a uh, old SAE, what they called white paper. Now that may very well have been uh, a supercharged version of the Mustang. I'm not going to deny that whatsoever. And maybe she had a little bit of juice on it too. Or, but I remember explicitly um, the SAE paper that I looked at was written was written probably in the early 50s. And they said that the uh, plane had 600-pound bottle of nitrous on it. So uh, so I'm sure there's uh, a little... I'm sure there's not truth. I'm sure there's fact in both stories. And maybe it was a supercharged mustang and they put some little bit of spray on there right hey a little bit of a little bit of juice never hurt anybody right so uh i want to thank you for that and uh for letting me know about that and uh, being able to share it with my audience and hopefully my throat stays okay i think i'm going to start to i didn't do it today but i think i'm going to start to get a sucking candy on my throat or in my throat in my mouth because um, when i start to talk is when the problem is when i'm not talking then there's no problem but i guess it's hard to do a podcast or a radio show without talking so hey what are you gonna do that is the uh that's what you got with this guy over here from cat swamp road with a funny accent but another thing um excuse me i wanted to uh, go over a a number of you got back to me about the show last week with the hot rod talking hot rod and the so far uh from what i've heard the people seem to like it i mean it's a a very unscientific (laughs) sampling and i don't blame you for not getting back to me one way or the other because honestly i wouldn't get back to somebody either 
So I don't think I've ever contacted anyone from a radio show or a podcast and that I could, eh, I shouldn't say that because I probably did once or twice. But like I said, it's not, it's not a medium that you reach out to people as often as, as, as the host would hope for. Right, unless you're nasty and the nasty comments, but that's fine also because nasty comments almost almost every time you get a nasty comment, there's some truth in it. So it's just that its delivery is a little bit on the coarse side. But according to what you guys got, the few I've heard from, is that people seem to uh, like the idea of moving forward every once in a while maybe eight or ten times a year 12 times a year with talking hot rod and they like that and then also interestingly enough is that uh those people who also like that topic shared with me and i was honored that they paid attention and listened was that they did not feel that the show is going too long and I should just let this show take its own natural course, which I'm going to discuss in a minute. And uh, if it, it's an hour and 10 minutes, hour and 15 minutes, obviously you can go on for three hours. But uh, not to be overly concerned with watching the timer, as I said that I was going to, and to try to make it one hour or a few minutes more. So I think it's like anything in life. Uh, I think it's like a suitcase, right? If you go on a trip, you take a bigger suitcase, and you end up putting a lot, bringing a lot of stuff in there that you think you may need, but you end up not needing. And if you take a smaller suitcase and it's packed efficiently, then you you have everything that you need with a little bit of cushion in there, and you're not taking a tractor trailer with you. So we're going to try to hit it somewhere in the middle. But I certainly appreciate that. Excuse me. I certainly appreciate you getting back to me and and giving me that validation. And the other thing I wanted to just shout out to the audience was that uh, another listener, longtime listener, Jason, and he's from out in, well, interesting interesting life because Long Island with an association to Iowa. So uh, it's no more different than that. And he's, uh, we, I hope to get him, and I hope I will get him, and, and just that he's been busy with an ep- to have him do an episode of On the Road but he ordered a new challenger and i know he said to me a while back i think it's that color cinnamon cinnamon stick or cinnamon something i was never good remembering names of colors i like carburetor numbers and engine numbers but i'm not that good with colors but i think he said it was cinnamon stick and uh i believe no i know it's cinnamon stick and i don't know if it's uh there's so many of those darn challenges today it's it's confusing it was like back in the early 80s uh when oldsmobile called everything a cutlass there was a cutlass calais a cutlass supreme a cutlass brome a cutlass cruiser station wagon there was a cutlass something else cutlass 442 so there was a uh a whole bunch of cutlasses and 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 dodges doing that with the challenger obviously it is it's one car but there's so many uh different iterations of it i'm just gonna <clears throat> excuse me my nose is running a little bit i shouldn't have had to tell you that but uh and so it is so there's an rt there's an srt i i don't even i honestly don't even know anymore too many too many and i think that they've they've segmented it too much in my opinion but what do i know and i think that he may be getting a jailbreak version whatever that is all right so i know i did look it up a while back but i honestly don't recall what the actual jailbreak 
package meant on it so but he's quite excited because his challenger is went into paint he sent me a note and he said the challenger is in paint so i guess that means uh in a few weeks or a month he should be getting it and good for him that uh that he's gonna he's looking forward to it and the and the build up to it and i think that's something that's missing today you know you go to a dealership and well obviously today after covid that's not the case because they they say supply chain issues right i mean everything everything's got some sort of excuse except an answer to it so we got a bunch in today's society we have a bunch of excuses and no answers just why something can't happen but the bills that could keep coming in so that's uh that's all fine right no excuses for that but you know the idea i always loved ordering new cars I, not that my past few new cars that i order all right so i went to the lot and i bought them off the lot but it's just not the same i mean there's that thrill that excitement uh, that and there's the excitement of waiting and the thrill of waiting and uh the anticipation of of something to come today it's like an instant business instant world right we want to we want to send somebody a text and why didn't they get back to us in two seconds i'm going to send somebody an email we want to put something in a microwave and you know have it done in 15 seconds and you're standing there looking at the microwave and if, if it's a minute you're looking at your watch going, what the heck is this taking so long for i want to eat this so it's a different world as far as that is concerned and i don't, do not think it's a better world and so i you know kudos to to jason that he's waiting for his challenger and all of that in, get giddy anticipation of the day it arrives and uh so many things in life are so much better when you wait for them and uh, i don't mean to wait 50 years for them but sometimes in life you have to but when you wait for something versus when it comes too quickly, it's just, just not the same. It's not the same. And anybody who's been around the block uh, a couple of times has a little bit of mileage under their belt, right? They will they will probably tend to, to agree that uh, a certain amount of waiting and anticipation does add an essence and flavor to life. So so congratulations jason and i can't wait till i can't wait for him to get it and then see pictures of it and hopefully the weather is pretty good when he does get it because not in the middle of a snowstorm where it's there but it's not there but also hey that just extends the wait so that's all fine and good so uh, let me see what else all righty what i want what today's show is going to be about is think talking a diagnosis but like anything in my life, I got to way, go way, 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 way back. And I believe that I am, when I'm talking, when I'm going to be discussing think talking a diagnosis, what that is meant were in my, in, in, in my economy of life, in my vocabulary, think talking something means for you to either out loud or in your mind to follow a set of steps and to think it through to say okay this happened that happened this is happening okay why is it doing this why is it doing that and for you to be in my estimation this is the world according to ray once more only because not that i'm any smarter than anybody else but because i happen to have the blessed with the microphone all right so uh other than that no qualifications whatsoever is that uh but to 
be able to think, talk something, you have to fully understand what's going on and what's happening. And with and to be a good diagnostician, and the term diagnostician could be applied to somebody in the automotive field, the medical field, a, a, a veterinarian, and any a plumber, right? Anything there's to figure to be able to figure out what's going on, and to figure out what's going on usually eludes the greatest, the majority of society today. And maybe it was always that way. It just seems to be a little bit more pronounced now. And what I mean by figuring out what's going on is seeing something for what it is. And being able to, as a Christian, I don't like to use the term, but it's just a, it's just a, just a term. I don't believe it. Read the tea leaves of life. And so many times we miss the tea leaves of life. We don't read them. We don't, we don't attempt to read them. That is one thing in life if you attempt to read the tea leaves and you misinterpret them. Well, no one could fault you for that, but it's a misinterpretation of, of something that is in front of you. But, lots of, but so many times, people don't read the tea leaves. They don't try to interpret anything. They don't want to see things for what they are. They want to see things for what, it, what they want, either want it to be or write that's blatantly in their face. And just like a good old, uh, and I say old because the new movies today are junk in my estimation. But I'm getting to be a cynical old man, aren't I? But uh, <clears throat> not cynical, just truthful. <clears throat> but you know, like an old who done it, right? And you got to try to figure it out. You got to see. You got to read the read the clues. And like I say, not only <clears throat> in diagnosing an engine or a piece of machinery or a person diagnosing. Uh, a doctor diagnosing a patient or a veterinarian diagnosing an animal right is that you have to you have to be able to 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 take all of these clues and digest them and what i have found one of the best ways to take those clues and digest them is to be able to think talk it so that is what we're going to be discussing today and then i'm going to ask you to uh, bear with me through this give me enough rope to hang myself and then once we get through this episode then whatever you're doing in your life apply your protocols to think talking something all right so uh but before we go there as i said we're going to start to we're going to start to go back backwards a little bit <clears throat> and then again this is the world according to ray so you could choose to reject it or you could choose to say well maybe it has some credence to it but what i have found over the years in my life and i have only lived my life so i only know what i what i have experienced i like to be able to hear other people's stories so i could put myself in their shoes and see how they responded in a situation or how or i could i could uh, litmus test myself stress test myself and say geez you know i don't know how i would respond in that particular situation i i you know kudos to you but anyway is that as you know we as we go through life and we have some 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 mileage under our belt we start to see we start to see a number of patterns and then and there's a there's a pattern in life that we all take and it's a good pattern and it's a natural pattern and we should take that and when you're when you're a young person you have the the, the world is full of mystery 
and you need to be able to learn. You go to school to be able to learn how to write. You go to school to learn how to do mathematics. You go to school to learn history. Well, why do you learn history? Well, today we want to rewrite the history, right? But the why you learn history so you could know, so you know where we came from as a world, as a country, as a society, as a family. All right, so we could hopefully know where we're headed and not repeat those mistakes and learn from them, whatever mistakes we had in the past. So, so we learn. So the first thing you do is learn. All right, the next thing you do, depending upon your vocation or what path you take in life, but it could still stay, you know, in school. If you're introspective, and I love to, I always use that term, and you guys are probably tired of hearing it, is that you look to benchmark someone. Now, in engineering, we benchmark things. So if you're building a cylinder head, you could say, well, you go out into the industry and you, and you come with no bias, all right, you can't say, oh, I don't like I don't like that company. That head sucks. No, I mean, you have to look at it for what it is and say, hey, and you benchmark something and you say, well, this is the, the, the currently the gold standard of whatever it is, or this is the performance I want to achieve, or what have you. So, so we basically have foundational learning, all right? And then, we, and then after we go from foundational learning, we start to benchmark something. And this benchmark is a, is a moving target, no pun intended, because depending upon what you're doing, what you're, what you're doing with your life or what you're doing in your life, all right? So then we benchmark. And then once we benchmark, we, we usually, and this is human nature and there's nothing wrong with this, is the way of the world. And I don't mean that in a derogatory or negative sense. And then we, tr- we copy or we emulate is probably a better word than copy because copy employs, or not employs, implies like plagiarism or something. And then you copy something and you say, okay, well, this is how so-and-so does it. This is how this one does it. This is how this company does it. And then you, and then you copy it, all right? You copy to a certain extent. So you, well, backing up, we have the foundational that we learned in school, all right, and then we benchmark something, and you could benchmark something in school. You could be a basketball player. Man, that guy in the other team, he's really a great basketball player. I got to see how, not that I could ever play basketball, just using that as an example. All right, and then you, you benchmark, and then, <clears throat> and then as you start, as your career, and I'm going to say the career of life, it may, be necess- it may be your vocation, your career of vocation, but it also is, but life in itself can be considered a career because as we go along, we have different obstacles, different challenges, different struggles in our life which is our non-business or non-career or work in life and then you benchmark things and then you start the copy so well, that's the way you know that's the way uh so-and-so did it so i like that i'm going to start the i'm going to i'm going to i'm going to do it the same way and then and a lot of people stop there so they stop right there that's it baby they're at the no more gears left in their transmission all right, they stop right there. So I'm going to suggest to you is not to stop there because everyone in life needs to find their own voice. And the term voice I'm using as a metaphor, all right, not saying that you're going to be a singer. I'm not a singer. All right, but everybody needs to find their own voice. But you cannot find your own voice without the previous steps. So you need to have some found you need to have foundational education all right you need to 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 uh, to uh, to benchmark someone some or something 
and then you need to emulate that right so now if you don't if you stop right there you're never going to find your own voice and if you look at it in life and i don't care whether you're a truck driver nothing wrong with that i want to drive a milk tanker all right truck driver you're a doctor you're 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 a writer you're a singer you're a school teacher whatever whatever it may be in you're a factory worker you have to find your own voice and uh lots of times people don't understand what that means and it doesn't and it does not necessarily it it you know, back in the 60s, they used to say, or in the 70s, they say, oh, I gotta go find myself. Well, you have to find yourself to a certain extent, and somebody could qualify that as saying, well, finding your voice. But if you find your, but when you find your voice, you also have to, the caveat that I will put on is you have to find your voice within reason. And what I mean within reason, you can't say like we have today, you know, there's this crazy world where we have, you know, uh, these binary people. I feel like a girl today. I want to go to the ladies room. I feel like a boy today, or I feel like this. I'm not talking about finding your voice that way. (laughs) Not that way. I'm saying finding your way, your path in, in life, your thought process in life, all right, your ideology in life, and how you're going to go about accomplishing something in life. There's the old adage, there's many ways to skin a cat, right? So you have to find your own voice. But when we're very young, we can't find our own voice because we need to have that foundation of education. We need to benchmark somebody, and then we need to emulate them, emulate what we have benchmarked to, 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 as, as a goal of setting the bar as a standard. But then we need to take that bar and we have to raise it and make it our own bar. And then, what, and, uh, and then from there, God willing as you find your own voice in life then you need then you the well not you need you're hoping for or a lot some people get it some people don't get it is some semblance of validation and validation comes in all different ways in life so if you happen to be a singer let's say you're a country singer and you win a i think it's a grammy or let's say well country singer say cma country music award so that's a validation i know i was i was i received in my writing career a validation and i was very blessed to receive it is when i got my first book off my first book deal or book book offer or what have you and i'll tell you a little bit about that in a minute or so if i don't get off too far on a tangent but what it did is that in my mind that validated me in my personal life it validated me as or my that part of my life all right it didn't validate me to my wife it didn't validate me to my dog it didn't validate me to my father but it validated my career because prior to that i was a, a freelance contributing writer to a magazine big deal all right so the thing is that but once you go from being to being a a contributing writer to an author all right because when you have a book you when you write a book you authored a book you don't contribute to unless you're unless you're contributing the forward in the book or something but you are authoring and you're creating and it's your creation so even though a magazine article is is your creation but once you come and you go it becomes it becomes a validation within that community so and in my particular instance it was a validation of going from an from a magazine contributor to an author 
and it did a lot for my career. Thank God, uh, I was blessed by it. And you came, and you came to the next level. Just like if you were a singer and you won some sort of uh, prestigious award, you're the same person before you before you won that award. But the fact of the matter is, is that now you are being recognized. And the recognition is not to make your head big. It's not to make you think you're better than anybody else. All right. But that does happen with some people. And it's a thousand percent wrong because just, you know, what goes up comes down. And that happens to all of us. There's nobody who's written the top forever. Right. So, uh, you know, you're not the, the, the curl on the wave of the surfer rides only lasts so long. And then you get this validation, and I was I was blessed also to have the validation of receiving, of having rural radio Sirius XM come to me as far as the radio show was concerned, because anybody and their uncle, anybody could have a podcast, it's like a YouTube channel, all right, so, I mean, there's no, yes, I mean, you could choose to, the level of investment that you want, you want to buy professional type of recording equipment, you want to buy good microphones, or, but, you know, when I started the podcast, I, I started my podcast with a headset from Staples, through my computer, all right, but then I needed to take it to a different level, because I would listen to other people's shows, I'd listen to, then I'd listen with a different set of ears, and say, well, I need to get this better, the audio quality better, because I recognize, and that no matter how wonderful the content may be, that if the audio quality is is hard to listen to, then uh, you're not going to nobody's going to listen to it, right? Just like if you could have a wonderful book, if the if the or a magazine and the the printing is lousy because it's so faded, I can't see this. It's too burdensome to read. I'm not going to read it. Hopefully, I can get a better copy one day. So, but the validation, I was blessed by God's grace because. The validation of my podcast came with the offer from Rural Radio to, and they wanted me to turn Idle Chatter into a radio show. And I said, no, I don't want to do that. I said, I'd like to do a dedicated radio show independently of Idle Chatter, the same basic format, but uh, but I want to call it Farm Machinery Digest Radio. And in case I never shared that story with you, that is in essence how it came about by god's grace it came looking it it came to me and as my book deal came to me and also as my writing career came to me so if you look back in my life my my professional career i'm saying from um once i left the car business per se we'll say that aspect of my life the uh the creative aspect of my life or whatever i don't think that's even a good word to use but it my I was contacted for my first magazine story. I wrote a letter to the editor, and I got a fo- I got a phone call asking if I wanted to write for a magazine. Furthest thing from my mind before the phone rang, I did a nitrous story, which I spoke to you about in the, for Hot Rod magazine, and then I went to the PRI show and I met Vic and Sue. Well, she wasn't married to to Victor at the time, so her last name was Reber, Sue Reber, and Vic Moore, who worked together for Barry Grant Corporation, and 
I that's who owned Nitrous Works that I did this used and did the story with uh, for Hot Rod magazine. And I met them. I said to them, "I'll meet you. Know, I'd like to come shake your hand at the PRI show." I, I mean, I did the I did the story for Hot Rod. Hot Rod loved it. They loved it. Everybody loved it. It was well received by the by the by the the, the uh, I would say the listenership, the the readers, and it got a it was uh, got a cover shot. It was on the cover of Hot Rod magazine. So you know, within the magazine world. If you could get something on the cover, even if it's just a cover blurb, that's a lot better than it's then that's you that's your desire. But if you could have the whole front cover, these are the cover blurbs that say nitrous oxide story, you know what I'm saying? Everything you want to know about nitrous, and that's really, you know, something that uh that you that doesn't come along all the time, especially from with a contributor. So it's a real blessing by God. So what had happened was that I went to the PRI show. The article was out a couple of months, and I wanted to meet them. And I went up to meet Vic and Sue. And and Sue comes over. I didn't know what these people look like from a hole in the wall. Neither did they know what I look like. And uh, I came up to them and, and said hello. And then Sue comes over, and Vic called Sue over, and she comes over to me and says hello. And uh, and she says to me, uh, "Did you ever consider writing a book?" I mean, it was like ten seconds. <laughs> me meeting her and i thought she meant a novel i may have shared this story with you before and uh, so she says no 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 she says we we have everything all done that through essay design we want to write we want to have a book written on the demon carburetor and uh we have the publisher essay design we have everything all in place we just need an author and we were so impressed by your nitrous story that we wanted to ask you if you're interested in writing the book we could bring you over right now to the essay design booth and we could sign the contract with you and everything in you so i mean it was uh amazing because the last thing in my mind i felt that i would be coming home with the, with a book deal so i was was i was blessed by that and then what had happened is with the uh, radio show, and I'm, like I said, if I shared any of these stories with you before, I ask you to please forgive me because I, I don't know what I may have shared with you or not. But what had happened during COVID, I got an email uh, hot rod, through Hot Rod Farmer, and I'll never forget the email verbatim, and it was... Uh, the person that introduced himself says, my name is Eddie Vinson. I'm the pro, pro, program director for Rural Radio Series XM Channel 147, and I would like to know if you're interested in turning your Idle Chatter podcast into a radio show on our network. So that was it. I remember it verbatim. And then what basically had happened was that I got back to him and a few hours later, and then I didn't hear from him for a week so I figured, right, let me, I was afraid that my email got, in, went into a spam file, which is very common, and what happens to me with, with Hemmings, I've wrote, written for them for 25 years, and when I send them an email, it goes into a spam file, don't, I don't know why that happens, but anyway, so, so I waited a little bit more than a week, and I resent the email, because my concern was, I don't want the guy to think that I was an idiot, all right, that here it is, I'm, I'm so pompous, I'm not interested in talking to you, and sadly, uh, the gentleman went home that night after he contacted me, and he got a heart attack and passed away and died. So that is why I didn't hear from him. So uh, it, it was it was uh, very very uh, uh, sad for me because 
Uh, I I had one leg in each camp as a as a human being as a Christian is that I said, oh my God, I hope this man knew the Lord. I know nothing about him, and I also was, you know, quite. It was quite apparent, and this is what we're getting into think talking. It was quite apparent that if he would have put off and said, oh, "I'll send this guy," I mean, there was no sense of urgency to contact me. I mean, it was it wasn't something that you know, whatever. I didn't even know. I mean, I knew they existed. I had this serious in my car. I listened to the network, but I mean, it wasn't something he could have said. Oh, I'll, I'll contact him tomorrow, or I'll contact him Monday. And then, and he went home and passed away. So, uh, so that, you know, so that was very, 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 uh, I'm going to use the word, I don't even know if the proper word is unnerving to me, but it was just, it just showed, to me it showed, you know, God's hand in it. And also there was a, there was, I I mean, as a human being, I had to be sorrowful for his death, even though I never met, don't don't know what the man looks like, never met him. I, I learned subsequently that he had a family, but I didn't know anything about him, what he looks like, or anything whatsoever. So the thing basically is, is that getting back to our finding your own voice is that that it all finding your own voice all starts with a foundational learning, benchmarking, uh, emulating, and then taking it to the next level. And that's what I want you guys to do as far as your diagnostics are concerned. And as I said, we have a very, we're blessed with a very eclectic audience. I know I have doctors li- listening. I know I have surgeons listening. I know I have forensic accountants listening. I know I have farmers listening, truck drivers, drag racers, whatever it may be. I'm not bragging. So this is, I, it's not like you're giving a seminar and you're talking to somebody within one community and say, okay, this is what you got to do with this. You know, you're, you're all a bunch of engine builders. You're all sold in the headquarters or not that I'd be able to give a, give a, uh, <laughs> a, a talk a motivational talk to a group of doctors or accountants or anything but you know but this audience is so broad-based and and it's broad-based but it has a common denominator has a common thread to it and it's a and it's a thread for it's a love for agriculture and a love for machinery and a love for engines so the thing is that and, and the majority of the listeners have a love for all of that but they may do something else with their vocation in life and uh, on a lot of them i uh, a lot of them are are within production agriculture i'd say the lion's share of listeners on this show are in production agriculture to some level shape or form that doesn't mean they can't have something else going on all right uh, uh it's a side shuffle right but uh but they are in production agriculture and that's why I'm going to ask you to take these steps or take this thought process and and apply it to what's going to work best for you, for you. And not only in your farm or in your career, but also in your life, all right? Because if we think, talk things, then all of a sudden it brings a bunch of, a lot of clarity to it. So another blessing I had in my life is that I got fired from the Buick dealer. <laughs> All right, and I got, and then I ended up getting a wonderful job with Allen Test Products, the oscilloscope manufacturing submissions analyzer company. And now, but what I basically did, and this is not tooting my own horn, it's nothing. It's just I'm just I mean I, I it's 
let me just put my tongue in my mouth. I'm not holding, please no, from the bottom of my heart. Um, I'm running a great risk by telling you a lot of these things because you could get the impression that I'm being pompous or think that I'm better than somebody or more successful than somebody or whatever. That is not, that is not the case whatsoever. But it is my story, and I can only tell my story. I can't tell a story about you. I can't tell a story about somebody else. It's my story. So even though I am running that risk, please know that I'm just giving it to you because it's it's apropos for the subject of think-talking, a diagnostic routine when you're having a problem with a piece of machinery or anything in your life. So, but what had happened was that I ended up getting the job with Allen Test Products, but prior to that, prior to that, because of, you know, uh, uh, you know, t- every, everybody in life is, has, is, is blessed in certain ways. You may be blessed with, 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 with a certain talent, a certain skill. You may be blessed with, with great eyesight. You may, you may be blessed with the, uh, a very handsome man or, uh, or a very beautiful girl, right? You, you, or you may have be blessed with a, or be a wonderful singer. And the thing is that I've come to see in life that as a society that we take somebody's blessing and then we oftentimes elevate them and put them in some sort of pedestal. So this guy may be a great engine builder. I mean, he may, he may 10, 20% more horsepower than anybody else. This guy may be a great singer. But the person may be a dirtbag in other aspects of their life. I mean, just because they're just because they're uh, they have a, they're blessed they're they're very blessed or very proficient or very good in something that doesn't necessarily mean that we paint them with the same with a brush and hold them in high esteem, all right. And I'm not saying to be judgmental to them, but you may say, well, this person is a wonderful singer, this person's a wonderful drag racer, but that I don't I don't believe I don't know about the other aspects of their life, and so. The, the thing the thing basically is is that um, what it what it happened was that I I have I'm blessed in so many ways but I'm not blessed I I'm not blessed with a high level of intelligence I'm not blessed with good eyesight and I'm really not blessed with a lot of talent so i mean I'm, I'm a straight shooter I'm telling you like it is right I'm not blessed blessed with a lot of talent. But what I am blessed with that I feel, and I could say this, is that I'm blessed with passion and I'm blessed with, with the desire to work very hard. So what I, what I have made up for in my life, I mean, just like you go watch Dancing with the Stars and you could say somebody goes out there and they just, I mean, I can't dance whatsoever. I wish I could. I thought it'd be, I think it would be wonderful. <clears throat> but but you know they get out there and they do the dance whatever the, the technical dances and they do it perfectly and you could see they're not even thinking about it they're just it's just intuitive and you have another person who is not an intuitive dancer is not a dancer they learn the technical moves and they're doing them correctly technically but they're almost robotic with it even if their body actions are not robotic but what they have to do is you could see that they are deep in thought to remember the the processes or the steps of that particular dance, whether it's a rumba or whatever you call it, right? So anyway, so the thing is that I was never 
the good Lord did not bless me with that. He he blessed me with other things in my life, but he did not bless me with that. So so any any achievement that I that I've gotten, and we could say it loosely, whether it was actually an achievement, it was only because of passion and then working extremely hard. And I'm not implying that no one else works extremely hard. But I was the guy who really had to study to pass the test, right? It did not come naturally, right? So, but what I did because of my passion and because of my des- my desires right, and my love for engines and love for mechanical things and machinery, all right, is that I went to a lot of schools, I read a lot, and I immersed myself in that. So what basically happened was that I was was expanding upon my 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 fundamentals the foundation of my education and of course i always wanted to know why i always wanted to know more i could never look at something mechanically and just ex- accept it for what it is then move on so and just okay oh, so that's the way it is they all stall ah, ha, ha, that's all so they all do it they all leak oil they all look that's all they all leak oil that's what they do yeah they all leak oil so the thing is that i never was that way even as a young man and i remember we had a uh, a 70 plymouth fury grand coupe 383 two barrel and uh my father was a very good mechanic from being but he and and he was good for he he was not he was he was not good with theory all right so he's not good with the he was good at seeing how to take something apart or doing this and and like i said he was probably the type of person god rest his soul if they were on dancing with the stars they really had to give it a lot of thought all right but retrospectively when i look back at it is that he was not good as far as truly understanding things he understood a lot more than i did as a little kid but i i uh, humbly said i way surpassed him as i as i started to go from being a teenager into a young man all right because i didn't i studied harder and worked harder and what have you we'll leave it at that but we had a 70 plymouth fury grand coupe it was a nice brown with a paisley paisley uh vinyl roof and uh, hideaway headlights and we bought that from uh, a friend of the family and they bought it new and uh, edward larson and he was the one who worked for the tugboat company and whenever we we bought that car that car would always ping <laughs> would always ping and the extent of my father's diagnostics or or he was too too cheap to put high test gas in it and even if you put high test put premium gas in at the time is that it would still have a tendency to when it got hot to to ping i would you'd probably if it was if it was the, the temperature was cooler but other than other than keep retarding the timing um we never really got anywhere uh under his leadership as far as getting that plymouth to stop pinging and uh i remember it was it would really bothered me because it was a beautiful car and it ran well but i mean you'd almost not want to put the air conditioner on in a hot summer day because it would get hot enough under the hood but i mean and when and when, and when she pinged she pinged very badly and at the same time we had an old Oldsmobile, right? Uh old Oldsmobile, right? So it was sixty seven Oldsmobile ninety eight luxury sedan with a four twenty five uh 
four barrel on the air cleaner it said it said uh rocket v8 ultra high compression 10.75 to 1 and i think the plymouth had about a 9 to 1 compression maybe a little bit more honestly i don't remember that it wasn't much more gene will tell me right or jason because he's a mopar guy but uh i think it was around a nine and maybe nine and a half to one compression motor so obviously the oldsmobile at 10.75 all right, was a substantially higher compression ratio than the uh, the Plymouth. And the Oldsmobile, I mean, you could practically, you know, uh, take a leak in the gas tank to be crude. <laughs> that sucker would just run beautifully. It would run, never ping, never did, never did anything wrong. And the Plymouth was a, was a just a, I mean, like I say, you looked at it wrong and that she'd want to knock and ping and everything. And this really bothered me because even though i was like 13 14 maybe 15 years old at the time that i was i knew that it wasn't right i didn't understand truly pinging and detonation and abnormal combustion at that particular point i mean i it was a ping your motor has a ping in it that was brought <laughs> out to knock turn the timing back i mean we never looked at the distributor advance curve we never looked at them we took the weights out and we cleaned the weights and we polished them and 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 oil greased them in the breaker plate on the plymouth a million times and uh we never looked anything beyond that we didn't plot the advance curve who knows maybe the springs were flying way out right what have you and then in the same token we never looked at anything on the Oldsmobile but you could say well there was no need to look at anything on the Oldsmobile because it ran fine everything ran beautifully but anyway maybe it could even run better but who knows but as far as abnormal combustion pinging was concerned it didn't do that at all i mean you could it could be 110 degrees out and you could sit in traffic with the air conditioner on for two hours and that sucker just just humming so anyway so i remember being a little kid um, i'm saying look at a young whatever teenager young 14 15 years old and saying well you know starting to think talk this in my mind because what happened was that i had read an old i think it was a popular science magazine that was probably 15 20 years old at the time and they had uh i forgot who he was he was a famous race car driver and he was he had an article i remember it was a 67 428 galaxy was in the article and he was um his the article right they never write the article today you get sued but it was how to drive fast on country roads and how to pass safely and this and that and he had this 428 galaxy right the thing was an animal back then and uh so i mean so he so he introduced think talking to me i remember reading it as a little kid it was popular science i was reading as a little kid and uh he said how hey, you look over here and look underneath the, you know look look ahead and do this and all these different things he says he says when you're driving you got to think talk you got to think talk to yourself and i remember I, I was in elementary school and like i said the magazine was oh i'm reading this and, and he's and the whole article was based about think talking okay okay there's a truck over there he's gonna go back bup, 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 over here and i remember his 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 uh his words in that article and you save precious seconds all right um uh, so i mean and it was just about driving fast on a country road it wasn't like you're in a, in the indy 500 or some kind of you know, le mans or something save precious seconds but i remember that was that became emblazoned in my mind so i said to myself i could not understand why 
this Oldsmobile didn't ping. All right, one is an Oldsmobile, one's a Plymouth, and the Plymouth ping like a whore. So, so we fought this for a number of years, and I remember I used to. I was maybe now maybe sixteen, and they got, got Hot Rod magazine, popular Hot Rodding. Uh, uh, super stock and drag illustrated all of, and i remember i was reading uh a letter to the editor and it was it was one of the peterson these the hot rodder car craft i don't remember which one because to me they were they kind of uh even though they had a little bit different focus i they were from the same publisher as like and i uh, read them both and somebody wrote a letter to the editor about something i don't know what and told in the letter to the editor, this person on the script, no idea who they are, right? And uh, they said that the Chrysler products had or have an adjustable vacuum advance, and it's a three thirty seconds Allen wrench. And if you take and if you and you could adjust the rate of advance, and they said that a lot of pinging problems are with the rate of advance and the adjustable advance being wrong and if you take the put a 330 pull a vacuum hose off put a 330 second allen wrench in there and you go and you and you turn it and you turn it clockwise i'm going with my finger to remember go clockwise is that you will hasten you'll slow down the advance curve as far as the vacuum advance is concerned not the centrifugal advance and if you turn the other way it'll become more aggressive you'll have more advance sooner so I said, wow, I said, this is crazy. I remember it was like nine o'clock at night, maybe it was dark. So uh, it wasn't the summer, so maybe it was, who knows when it was. I mean, it wasn't the winter either. So I remember I told my mom, well, I gotta go outside. And I went in my toolbox and I found the 332nd Allen wrench. All right, so I went with a flashlight. I opened the hood on the Plymouth. I took, I already had, maybe I was 17 because I already had my license. And I took... I took, I wasn't older than that, I was still in high school, and I took the vacuum hose off, and lo and behold, I put the Allen wrench in there, and you had to turn it around a little bit to hit the, you know, to hit the castellations of the Allen wrench, and it went in there, and I could feel, ooh, she's, she, she's in there, right? And I took the Allen wrench, and I remember I turned it maybe an eighth of a turn. I don't want to turn it much, because I know, you know, eighth of a turn in, and I put the vacuum hose on, and I couldn't wait till the next day. And I started the Plymouth, and I took it for a ride, and I, I, I did everything to make it ping, and the sucker didn't ping. It didn't ping anymore. So I, 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 I was so excited. I felt like it was Christo Christopher Columbus who came back and saying that the world is in flat. I said to my dad, look, I fixed the Plymouth, I fixed the Plymouth, I fixed the Plymouth, right? It doesn't ping anymore. I let it idle for an hour with the hood closed and the air conditioner on, and I did everything I could do. It doesn't ping. I was so excited about it, all right? So anyway, but what, it, what, I'm, what I'm trying to make some sense to this for you, right, is that it was a culmination that diagnostics or making a proper decision in life or trying to make an intelligent decision in life or trying to make an informed decision of your life is not a journey that starts that day when that problem is in front of you. And I have to applaud you for listening to this show 
because you if you were not interested in fixing things if you were not interested in finding out about how things work you would certainly not put up with me for an hour and a half or an hour whatever it is every week by no means but the 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 diagnostics the foundation for you to be able to fix something is going to go back 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 possibly go back for years and i know we have like i said we have so many i only know the small amount of of audience that has that i'm blessed for them to have communicated and reached out to me all right so um i'm 99 of you i do not know i wish i did but i do not know you and i certainly understand and i respect that that i don't know you all right but if you have somebody, and I'm gonna, you know, and, he, and this gentleman has been a long time listener, and his his sister got back, his sister got back to me a while back because she listened to the podcast or the radio show. I think the podcast. I don't think he listens to the radio show, and she she sent me a nice letter. I mean, a very 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 nice because I could never pronounce his last name correctly and he probably knows if he's listening he probably knows who it is and i told his sister and she told me phonetically how to pronounce it and uh and he's one of my lancemen i thought it was a greek name but i think he, they, she said it was a lithuanian name and uh and uh, she told me how to pronounce it i said oh, i'm going to keep his email so if everyone to pronounce his name i'm going to pronounce it but i lost the email i get too many I, I, respectfully i get too many emails so it's bruce and i'm going to try to pronounce it bruce jack you bork house i think she said it's like house but she, i forgot what she told me which syllable i was supposed to well bruce bruce j we'll call him like a, sounds like a disc jockey but the reason why i'm bringing bruce up is because he's a man that has such eclectic experience of working on all different types of machinery uh, all different aspects doing body work working on helicopters fabricating uh metal working what have you so so bruce is the type of person and which, which a lot of you are that have all of these different skills but you have you think talk things and you your your education is is foundational and it's never never you never stop learning and you don't try to learn when you have a problem right in front of you yes we all try to learn about something just like i tried to learn about my generator all right when if you followed any of that fiasco all right when it stopped making electricity i didn't try to learn about it <clears throat> when it was charging i'm just gonna get a drink of, of orange juice here so the thing is that let me try to bring some closure and some continuity and some clarity to this i do not know no matter what walk of life you're in if you need to diagnose something because you have a problem and i'm going to keep going back between mechanical a medical doctor a veterinarian all right a plumber anything else is that you will never ever know how to diagnose something all right and if you happen to get it right it's like you go buy a lottery ticket buddy because you just happen to you're throwing darts against a, a board and you happen to hit the bullseye the thing is that you will never know 
how to truly think, talk something, and diagnose something without making the investment in your life to truly learn how that whatever it is works and to truly understand it. You cannot fix a carburetor if yes, you can maybe open the hood and say, look, the linkage is falling off. Well, let me see how this linkage goes on. Oh, okay, it's running good now because they put the linkage back on. But you could not fix a drivability with a prop with a carburetor. You can't fix a, a problem with a hydraulic system if you don't understand how it works. If you don't, and so many people today want to just they have a problem in front of them it's the old adage you know teach a man how to fish and you feed him for life teach you know give a man a fish and you feed him for a day and the majority of people today don't want to have that higher level of understanding are you going to know everything of course not but if you are open-minded all right and then you then you think talk it then you will be surprised how you could think talk your way to a diagnosis once you apply the foundational things the fundamentals that you learned years ago and then also taking it and carrying it and finding your own voice so i'm coming back to that because you have to find your own voice and by finding your own voice is that you're going to take your skill, your diagnostics, we're going to talk, we're going to focus on that now, that a million different things, to a higher level than the rest of, I'll say, the community or most people. And I, and I was very blessed because I had a good foundation. I, I uh, laid my bricks. Like I said, I'm telling you, I'm, I'm running the risk of sound like I'm bragging, but I'm not. And then when I got, when I was fired from the Buick dealer, Reese Buick out in Long Island, and then when I, in Mineola, 410 Jericho Turnpike, for anybody who's listening out there, God knows what's there right now, probably nothing, probably apartment building. But anyway, what had happened was that I was blessed because of that foundation, and I was able to, I, I got the job with Alan Tesprox, the oscilloscope manufacturer, and then what had happened was that I was blessed to be exposed to a myriad, uh, I don't even know if myriad is a powerful enough word, all right, for all of the different engines and vehicles and brands and makes of drivability problems that I was called out to to demonstrate a piece of equipment. So I got this, I don't know if I'm going to say crash course, I got this, I, 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 it was just almost like an emergency room doctor, all right, where emergency room doctor sees a guy from a car crash, he sees a person with a heart attack, a person with a broken leg, a person who got shot, a person who has a, a blood clot, a, per, a person who uh, cut their leg with a chainsaw like I did. So they get exposed to all of this, right? And uh, the things that, so I got exposed to all of the, all of these different types of engines different fuel systems different drivability problems but because of the foundation and able to think talk it then what would happen is that i was able to diagnose and fix the car in this particular sort of car all right so the thing is that how is so how do you apply think talking to this 
And as I said, I'll repeat it again. If you don't have a foundation, a true foundation, and constantly look to expand upon that foundation by reading, by studying, by listening to this podcast on other shows and what have you, watching something on YouTube or what have you, and but also learning from others and that's why i love for you to communicate with me because i learn from you it's an intellectual exchange it's not the idea of you going and then saying well i'm right and you're wrong or vice versa this is not what this show is about all right it's about an intellectual exchange it's about learning all right and then also being able to learn from your own experiences and the experiences of others you don't you know when uh, in mechanics there's there's two types of people and i'm this way with a computer to a certain extent all right so i'm nowhere near as passionate about it so i just want the sucker to work if i know i gotta hit this key three times and it works i'm fine with that all right and so i'm not saying that i'm i'm perfect i'm the most wonderful thing in the world by no means there's things that i'm not passionate about all right but um but the thing is that you have to look and see why did this situation happen you can't just say okay well it's fixed who gives a dawn who cares because you will you will never learn so how does the think talking process of diagnosing work well it's very very simple you're faced with an issue all right you're faced with an issue whether it's on your farm tractor your truck your lawnmower your generator whatever whatever it may be a hydraulic system all right and you so you stop you say okay this is the this is the issue uh arguably the engine is stalling i'm making something up as they go along so now you you know the, the first part is obviously do a visual inspection tactile inspection of the wires on the vacuum hoses what have you all right so you do that so okay there's nothing really obviously here for it stalling all right so now we start to think talk it i would say okay is there a common denominator is there a common scenario that 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 this engine stalls under or is it random stalling all right so now it's like so you so think talking is almost like a flow chart in your mind so so now you say okay well no it doesn't i can't seem to i can seem to qualify when it stalls or i can't seem to qualify when it stalls so in your mind is it and that's what think talking is a flow chart is a think talking but somebody wrote it down for you it's a logical methodical approach to making a diagnostic decision so now you think about it then you say okay fine all right this thing is stalling and it stalls when i if i step on the gas real hard real fast it, it flames out it pops okay so it pops like that all right so now if you know nothing about carburetors and you know nothing which 99 percent of the mechanics that i don't just say carburetors you know nothing about anything you don't understand how a carburetor works and when you step on the gas when you using that as an example and when you step on the gas let alone quickly all right you're going to have to have the accelerator pump you're opening up you're op- allowing more air past the throttle plates you have to evoke the main meat the evoke the power enrichment circuit the float has to pull over there's a lot of dynamics here and if it pops through the carburetor 
or a pop like that or through the intake we'll say then that's an indication of too lean in air fuel ratio but if you don't know nothing about carburetors right poor english to be dramatic you know nothing about anything all you know how to do is hold a ratchet wrench you'll never figure that problem out in your life all right you may throw enough parts at it all right that you may eventually stumble upon something but that's not a mechanic that's like a doctor going so let's let's give the guy a new heart let's do a transplant let's give him a kidney transplant let's give him a lung transplant let's give him a brain transplant oh you're feeling good now okay go on home i'm a wonderful doctor all right that's not the so you have to so you have to think through it then you say to yourself okay fine and then you define and refine your think talking process because you say okay fine this is what it's doing and then you you say well, now then you stop and you stop and think and say because it's think talking say okay well what are the parameters that could cause this to happen all right and you say well geez maybe the float level is too low or maybe whatever it may be i'm, I'm, I'm randomly bringing this up but the think talk process of diagnosing is going to be the most critical path that you could find that in engineering the critical path in automotive engineering is was what's the critical path is what's called from approval of a concept to something that's being shipped to a showroom to being sold all right so that is what's called the critical path you may come and say well i'm gonna crew run the critical path now we decide to make this whatever and uh we want to beat everybody else to the market all right so the thing is that so arguably is that uh i'll make an analogy has nothing to do with this whatsoever is back years ago the early people who started youtube channels all right or somebody starting like me a podcast all right i wasn't i wasn't the first but i was the first or maybe even the only one doing one about machinery like this but the fact of the matter is and you you saw this guy made a zillion dollars on youtube this guy made a zillion dollars on this or whatever it may be well the market is way too crowded now all right so you, you, so the thing basically is is that so the critical path on engineering and, and development is that you want to be able to get that product to market to be the first to market so you so your competitors have to follow you and the critical path with diagnosing has to begin with the foundation of understanding all right foundation of understanding which is going to be through education then what you're going to do is you're going to benchmark somebody you're going to benchmark us something and then what you're basically going to do at that particular point you're going to emulate what they do that's how hey that's how joey sets the carburetor right hey joey show me how to set the carburetor that's how joey sets the carburetor because at that particular point you don't know how to set the carburetor so joey may be the best or maybe suck but he's just better than you all right so he's your best example and then what you basically do is find your own voice and say okay joey showed me how to set that carburetor joey showed me how to do this right all right the thing basically is is that but i don't like because i learned more and now i surpassed joey or mary or whoever it may be all right it's no it's not an attack on them but you took it to a higher level you did not stop with just that procedure you found your own voice 
And that's what I'm asking you to do in whatever you do when you're working on mechanical things, when you're diagnosing, when you're farming, all right, whether you're a doctor, whether you're a truck driver. I'll I'll tell you a little bit of a story. I used to go for many years to the truck stop in Columbia every morning and get coffee and walk around Columbia, New Jersey for 20-something years. And sadly, and I've said shared this with you before, and but uh, so I mean, ever since Donald disappeared, I could not go back to my same life as I was waiting for him to come home, and and cream now. So I have not been there since he disappeared, and that's my own personal decision, uh, because I just felt that I could not pick up with life the way it was as as it as it was the day prior to that. So anyway, but there used to be a guy. Uh, he used to come into the truck stop. He lived. He lived kind of locally. He was from Illinois originally, and uh, he real nice guy. He was his owner operator had a uh, he had a uh, maybe Kenworth or a Peterbilt. It was a Packard. I remember which one it was. And uh, he grew up in the country in Illinois. His uncle had a farm. All right, they were up. They were out in the country and had a farm. And then he was a young boy, and he was going. I, I I forgot why it was an important part of the story. It's a throwaway part, but why he was going to to learn to get a truck driver's. And I'm talking about four, over forty years, forty five years ago. Different world, especially out there in the country, right? So maybe his father was a trucker. I don't remember. But anyway, so what happens? You got this, and and um, his name was his, his name was Glenn. So. Uh, so his father takes him over to his uncle's farm, which is his father's brother's farm, gives him this semi, whatever it was. I think it was an old straight job, uh, uh, was maybe a single axle force. I don't remember what it was. Anyway, and he put a grain trailer on it, and he said to him, Glenn, the, the next week you're going to do nothing but back up this truck, and then after I'm going to come back here, and you're going to show me how to back up, that how you back up and then after you back up this truck all right it was all dirt roads is you can then you're gonna go you, you're gonna back this thing up a half a mile all right and then what we're gonna do is we're gonna set up i don't think they set up cones they set up who the heck no they set up he says and then you're gonna practice backing up and parking this thing he says and you have one week to be proficient in backing up all right so that's what the kid did he says he backed up dirt roads. <laughs> with this, he said, and then what happened is that you know, so so the father showed him how to do it, right? So that was the foundational, all right. Uh, showed him how to do it. He the, he the father showed him how to do it. The foundation of the education. The father showed him what he was doing. So that was the benchmark how to get it into this spot. And then the then the father instructed him to to uh to emulate that and to do that and whatever for a week's time or whatever he says you can be backing up all week long he says but if you back up all week long he says you <laughs> never have trouble backing up he says right so then what had happened was that glenn wanted to find his own voice and he didn't realize this or identify this as a young 16 17 year old kid a farm kid and a country kid out in illinois all right and then he made it harder for himself. So, okay, I'm going to now put the trailer in here. And then what had happened was that he was able to double clutch, split shift, backing up, backing up and parking, backing up onto the blind side and parking that trailer. 
So he said, so like a week later, he says, look what I could do. And the father's unbelievable. And then the father says, this is unbelievable. Then he eventually went and he got, went for his road test. And he's a young kid, just legal enough. I think they had a farm license that he was allowed to drive the semi. And he had to go take the driving <laughs> test. So what he basically did, so the, so, uh, so the, 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 uh, the, not the, what, not the instructor, what do you call it? The person giving you a driving test. Okay, I want you to park over there, young boy, young man, park over there. And uh, so he says, so uh, so he says to him, do you want it on the blind side? Or do you want it on the side? I forgot the term to use, the side I could see. So he says, so the, 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 the tester, the, uh, the inspector goes, uh, all right, do it on the blind side. Let's see what you have. So he, he backed this sucker up right double clutching split shifting going backwards on the blind side he says the instruct the, the the tester the whatever they call it the word is my mind is at a loss of the words the person he says the guy almost fell out of the truck he says if you could do that he says you got a license you don't even have to go forward he says i've never seen that in my whole life so uh but he found his own voice and thus he became a very very successful owner operator all right did he have his pitfalls and obstacles in life of course we all do because he found his own voice and he pushed his envelope but that all started with the foundation of his father telling him to spend a week backing up so as we get as we get ready to close here what i'm gonna what i'm gonna reiterate hopefully succinctly is that no matter what you do in life all right but we'll focus on machinery is that it is not a waste of time for you to and i don't care how young you are or how old you are to learn truly truly learn the foundation of how something works all right and the thing is that and and you have to challenge yourself because when you know nothing all right and somebody teaches you that person knows more than you but then what's going to happen is you're going to catch them and then you're going to eventually surpass them because if they sat on their laurels and said, oh i know how i know how a carburetor works i know how crops i know how a seed work how a seed grows all right then they've basically never found their voice in life they found the voice of mediocrity they found the voice of they found the voice of okay this is this is good enough or i'm not really that interested in this i'm more interested in watching a ball game and there's and that's fine if that's what your life is and that's your voice then so be it all right i'm not being judgmental to you but if you're listening to this show if and no and i'm repeating it once more no matter what you do you need to find your voice and then once you find your voice you will receive validation and a validation and even though if it's only validation in your heart that you know that i mean that the young boy glenn as i was saying uh 
that his validation was when the guy gave him the license and don't even go forward. He says, if you go do this backwards, forget about it, buddy. You know, God bless you. So the thing is that, and then do we go through life looking for that validation? We don't go through life looking for that validation. But by God's grace, when we get those validations, it's not meant for us to get cocky or pompous or pump our, pump our head up and go, oh, look at me. No, it's not that. It's a validation. It's like doing a math equation and then working the equation backwards and coming up with the same number so you know that your math is correct. And the math of life is based upon you learning. Foundationally, I'm repeating it once more. Foundationally, right, setting, setting a, 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 bench, a benchmark for someone to emulate and then once you get to that particular level to find your own voice and take whatever that procedure is if you're a doctor and you go to medical school and i know like i said we have doctors listening and you're a surgeon all right and they teach you the foundations of that and then you now establish your own surgical procedure all right or do that surgery a little bit differently and because you want to make it better then you are finding your own voice and when it comes to diagnosing a problem with a piece of machinery, an engine, a hydraulic system, when it comes to diagnosing a problem on your farm as far as your crop is concerned, when it comes to diagnosing something with one of your animals, with your own body, it's that whole idea of you understanding that. If you don't understand it, you're throwing parts at something. Oh, let me take an aspirin. Let me do this. Let me do that. Let me do that. Oh, no. maybe, I got a, maybe I got a flu. Maybe I got this. Maybe. All right? You're not diagnosing. You're not fixing. You, you, you're, th- you're, you're throwing darts at a board in life. All right? And uh, I'll close with one other story. I've always loved the farm, and like I said, I'm running the risk of, of, of coming across of, of, of saying that I'm a standard to judge others by. By no means am I a standard to judge anything by, but these are my life stories, and that's the only stories I have. So the thing is that I always loved the farm. My father was not a good farmer, right? My father had a lot of potential in life, all right? Uh, he taught me a lot. I'm grateful for him. All right, I'm, I'm not knocking him, but I'm, I'm, I'm calling, calling things what it is. I'm a straight shooter. And then what basically happened is that as, t- as time went on, all right, so I knew nothing. He taught me something, all right? So that was my foundation. And then I would emulate what he was doing. And then my results had this, because I emulated what he was doing, if I always made the wrong turn, then I'm always on the wrong road, right? And then what happened was that we had a lot of problems with emergence of our corn, because what would happen is we would plow the heck out of the land. And sometimes we would, so I would, now I was older, I would think talker, it's okay, fine. Well, this year, the corn crop, we had good emergence. It came right up, good germination, and good emergence came right up. The next year, three weeks, we have no emergence. What the heck is going on here, all right? But I did not understand truly how I was, everybody saw you plant corn within five to 10 days, it comes up. Well, it comes up in five to 10 days, 
if number one you don't plow the heck out of the soil and remove all the moisture from it and have it dry like a desert all right all right so the second thing basically it comes up in five to ten days if you have some moisture and have good seed to soil contact and it comes up all right or what you do is you you dry the heck out of it because you, you screwed it all up pardon my french all right and then you are blessed with rain that night or the next day a, a nice gentle two inches of rain or an inch of rain and then the seed came up so the thing basically is is that what i had found out and i went on a quest to fix our farm the reason why we were constantly plowing the soil was because our magnesium calcium ratio and base saturation was off so if we plowed it and then we got a little bit of more rain on it we had a, a, a springs shower and the sun came out to turn to like concrete so the seed could not emerge and then also because of that it became so crusty is that even though the crust of the soil got wet and got hard the seed is one and a half two inches deep right it's bone dry down there so there was no moisture for the seed for the seed coat to break to crack and for it to germinate so what basically happened was that over a, a number of years i would think talk what's going on but first i had to learn how a seed germinates i had to learn not just superficially i had to learn about soil structure and then when i learned about seeds seed how a seed germinates about soil structure about base saturation the characteristics of a soil my type of soil all right when it has a high magnesium and not enough calcium in it the way that the soil what we call in medical terms presents itself i fixed the farm and now my record is less than four and a quarter days all right uh, just about four days of of germination not all the time of emergence not just germination emergence i got corn sticking through the ground all right so basically if we didn't apply all of that logic and never gave any thought to how a seed how all of this happens in god's economy of 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 a, of a plant growing never would have fixed it and so the thing basically is is that i went i went long it's not a focused podcast today it's a thought process but you really truly have to go and no like i said i don't care whether you're 16 or 60 if you are passionate about something if you if you didn't put put all of this foundation in before it's not too late to put that foundation in and the thing you know just like a voltmeter all right you know if you it's easy to buy a voltmeter you have 50 bucks you get a cheap cheap chinese voltmeter over in harbor freight all right so the thing basically is that learn how to use that voltmeter learn to understand the scales on what is the voltmeter telling you what is ohms what is amps I mean, if it's a multimeter of amps, you know, what is, you know, what is voltage, all right? What are the different scales, all right? So learn that, because if you learn that, then when it comes time 
to diagnose an electrical problem and you look in the book and it says, okay, fine, that the resistance of this solenoid should be 27 ohms, making up a number, that you know how to check the resistance. You know how foundationally, fundamentally, how to use the the, the multimeter. You know to check the internal resistance of the meter so you get an accurate reading. You know that the circuit needs to be unpowered to check resistance you know all of this and in in two seconds you're getting a reading that's an accurate for you to diagnose and then follow the flow chart all right in this shop manual which is basically think talking but it's a some it's a think talking that somebody else wrote all right and you're able to fix this if you don't know how to use the multimeter because you have it in your toolbox doesn't mean a darn thing all right if you don't know what scales if you don't really know what's going on you're not going to fix anything you're going to throw stuff and money and time at something so hopefully you found some intrinsic value in this show today hopefully hopefully god willing that you will find your own voice in whatever you do and then hopefully that you will eventually be able to see the validation of you finding your own voice the confirmation of you finding your own voice so then again like i said not to be pompous not to be swell-headed not to be anything but this validation that you are on the right track so thank you so much for listening and i hopefully we will get together next week and you have a blessed blessed day and know that the hot rod farmers poem for you the american farmer and rancher my beloved america take care thank you bye-bye